0: What's going on, grappling fans? first <laughs> you've mentally in the game? the or is pretty close What's up grappling fans? Welcome back to another episode of Who's Number One. I hope you're all having a great Friday out there. I've been waiting around for this episode all week long. We have a very special guest, one of the biggest personalities in the sport, talking about ADCC champion. Big Orlando Sanchez. What's going on, Big O? How are you, man?
1: Well, uh, what's up, baby? What's up? What's up? Coronavirus <laughs> in the hood. What's up, guys? It's
0: wild times out there. We also got Bear from Shoeiro on the call. Bear, how are you doing today? What's oh, new? Oh, that's my Doing, doing good. I'm Just right enjoying, enjoying, right. enjoying Orlando's shirt. Stop making whack grapplers
2: famous. <laughs> hey. We, we may have
0: had a hand in that, you know, but we, we're not perfect. Right <laughs> Fuck,
1: it's ups and downs grabbing, out there. Man. Good Lord, Flo grappling, man! I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like Donald Trump, call you guys fake news. <laughs> you guys are fake news.
0: Well, they only only news these you guys, days.
1: Fake news. <laughs> you been staying busy the out there? News.
0: What are you doing to They're keep your keep your mind news. right and during the quarantine?
1: Man, I could, I can't tell you that on on live TV here. <laughs> I'll go to jail. <laughs> no, uh, man, I, man. It's been tough, let me tell you. It's been tough, man, you know, uh, especially dealing with, like, a brain like mine. Uh, It's hard. It is hard. Not only is it hard to stay indoors, you know, I don't anyways. I'll just go drive around just to get my mind right. But, you know, there's one thing that my therapist always says. She says, Orlando, you're like the kind of guy who, you know, normal people like to ride roller coasters, and they get a kick out of a roller coaster. She says, but you have to ride a roller coaster with no seatbelt, with glass <laughs> on the seat. It's on fire, and uh, the track is broken, you know? So that's kind of my life, and uh, it's been tough, man. It's been tough. It's been real tough, but, you know, I, I find my support in my family, man, my kids. I, I Whenever I start trying to get offline or whatever, I, I just look back at my kids, and they're the ones who kind of bring me back in line, you know? Make me settle down and focus, you know? So, it's been tough, though, man. I, can, I really feel with a lot of people out there who are suffering, you know, uh, especially with mental health, which nobody's talking about, which is crazy. You know, everybody's talking about corona, 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 dying, dying, corona, death, corona, death. Man, I guarantee you there's so many suicides that are not counted for right now. So much abuse, so much depression, uh, you know, so much that is uh, not being spoken about that I'm trying to make a voice for and uh you know it's painful man it's painful times dude that's for sure it's painful times
3: what are you doing to kill the time right now you you work i've I've been seeing a lot of videos you working out at home and stuff huh
1: yeah you know i i had to build my little home gym real fast and i just uh you know i get my training on and then uh i got a lot of side work that i do man that a lot of people don't know about um you know and i'm just in business dealings kind of all day long as much as i can do um there's some big projects that I'm working on that are outside of the realm of jiu-jitsu. Uh, but, you know, other than that, just trying to uh, find things to keep the day going. You know, I play with my puppies. I'm, I'm really into dogs. Uh, those of you who've seen my puppies, I've got some real high-caliber puppies. and uh, I got a new puppy recently, and, and uh, you know, working on playing with them and just moved into a new house recently. Uh, I didn't get a flow grappling article like Gordon Ryan did, but uh, <laughs> I bought a... But I bought a $2 million house on two acres in Los Angeles. But That's, you know, fake, news. that's, that's, that's fake
3: news right there. We did not do a new article about what? it. Did we do an article about Gordon Ryan buying I, I, his house? I don't think we that's, did. That's somebody else. You're talking about another website.
1: Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was full of grappling. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Gordon Ryan. Shout out. to Congratulations on your house. I love you, buddy. Gordon Ryan, he's awesome.
3: Uh, Bear, what are you up to uh, these days with the uh, quarantine? man just trying to do push-ups and sit-ups like
2: Orlando at least the baby version of what he's doing he's probably doing like
3: circuits like and
2: injecting injecting like power fuel like into the wall and like running into it but yeah just just like everything everybody else man I'm way too fucking bored of push-ups and way too fucking bored of sit-ups I'll just tell you that much
3: Dude, everybody's, uh, at least you're doing push ups and sit ups. Everybody's posting these goofy things online where, like, you fill up a backpack with some t shirts and swing it around your head and shit. It's like, can't you just do pull ups and <laughs> run around like everybody is? <laughs> everybody's, everybody's trying to come up with innovative new ways to work out at home. And it, yeah, a little, All right, so, Big O. Yo. Before we move on, I want to hear about your life story and stuff. First off, let's let's clear the air. You, you always wear the shirt, Stop Making rac- Whack Rapplers Famous. You called us fake news. Who are the whack rappers that we're making famous? Who, who?
1: No, I, I love you guys, man. I love you guys. Uh, this is one of those things that it's a it's a general description. If you feel offended by the shirt, then it's probably you. You know what I'm saying? If you feel if you feel if you feel like if you feel like, you know, it has something to do with you or you think I'm wearing it for you, then it's probably you.
3: I'm definitely a whack rapper what else are you doing to kill the time over there besides i mean you're obviously you're still working on business stuff working out you watching any shows or movies over there what are you up to
1: man you know netflix uh shout out to esteban oriel my homie mr cartoon my good homie uh those are two of my boys shout out to them they've been top 10 in netflix for the last couple for the last week since april 10th they came out with their documentary What's it called?
0: Um, it's like LA Original. Uh, is that, is LA that Originals. Yeah, LA, yeah.
1: LA, all right. yeah. Those are two good friends, uh, longtime friends. Uh, absolutely love those guys, and I'm so happy for them to see them. You know, really kind of go. You know, work all these years to finally make it on the mainstream. So shout out to Cartoon and Oreo. That's the Oreo man. They've uh, did a really good job on that documentary. So I suggest if you haven't seen it, watch that. Uh, last night I watched my buddy Chris D'elia's new show. Chris D'elia is a good friend. Uh, his show was awesome. His show is funny. He's a stand-up comedian, if you guys don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, just killing the time, man. Just killing time at night and hanging out in the jacuzzi steam room. And then just working on myself, my health, my mental health, trying to stay uh, online as much as I can, you know. Got a sauna in the steam room at the house. Bro, you got a sauna in the steam stuff. room in your
3: house? Dude, I'm yeah, jealous. Yeah, yeah. Shit.
1: Yeah. You know, if Flo Grappling would have done an article on my house, you know, we could have gone <laughs> over it, But, you know, I... <laughs> I'm nobody. I'm yeah, nobody. I'm all for doing MTV crib style <laughs> show when this is over. Oh, hey, don't you even? Hey, don't you
3: even? I tried to come to your house. I tried to come to your house during the Daisy Fresh film, and you ghosted us. So don't even don't really come to
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys, man. bro. You.
3: I'm jealous, man. I'm, I'm a big sauna guy myself, and the gym's been closed down oh, here dude, for I, a, for a minute.
1: I I can't tell you like the timing of this whole situation. You know, I probably would have not been able to be here, (laughs) Uh, you know, sitting as a complete person, if I wouldn't have bought this new house that we live in, uh, you know, if we would have stayed in our old house and had to be locked down with three kids that are, my eight kids are two and a half, five and a half, two and a half, six and eight. And they are as energetic or more energetic than myself. (laughs) So, I mean, it's like it's look at this little princess right here. She's a little nut nutcase. This one, Phew. I love her to death, but she's crazy. And then this one over here, this is little. O. this is little Orlando.
3: He's crazy as well. He's crazy. And,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, you know, good crazy. He's a beast. He's only eight years old. You know, he's already smashing all the fools in class, smashing all the teenagers taking after daddy. But, uh, but yeah, if we wouldn't have got this new house and we wouldn't have moved in time for this lockdown Corona stuff, bro, it would have been crazy. I, I don't. There's no way I could have made it. No way. You know. At least this. It's hard at the house, but at least we have two acres, and uh, you know we get air and you know space to breathe, and we're not on Tyler. It. so. It's did, uh, we're lucky on that sense.
3: Did you check out that Tiger King show?
1: I saw a few episodes, man, uh, and dude, that was all over the place. My wife and I would watch it. As we were going to bed some nights. Bro, it was – all I remember watching, I was like falling asleep. and I stopped at the part where it was like gay, meth, like – I was, I was on another planet there. I was like, Trisha, what are we watching, dude? It was, it was crazy. You getting, getting good at that
0: point. There's like 10 more yeah. layers.
1: Dude, I, I got it now that not a lot all the, the hype has gone. I got to go back and revisit it and watch that thing, man. <laughs> that thing was crazy though, man. You know, Big. I tell you, I tell you, but that right there, see that that right there is like talking about of like of our country, right? Like our country is so crazy that that right there took over the I mean, we're having a coronavirus pandemic, people are dying, and that took front line news for like 2 weeks, right? Just like Flo grappling likes to do all the drama. I guess just the world does all the drama just like that for 2 weeks. So Pretty funny stuff, though. I gotta go back and watch it. We we <laughs>
0: failed to capitalize on the Tiger Tiger King hype. Yeah, it's come man, up in the podcast
1: yeah.
3: though a few times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. there you go, there
3: you go. Da- Daisy Fresh was our Tiger King. Yeah,
1: that was, that was... yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, that's for sure, man. I'm a little Shout afraid of how accurate that comparison is. <laughs>
0: Hey, Big uh, one thing we've been asking uh, all of our guests that come on, um, you know, people who watch the show do jiu-jitsu and everyone's kind of scrambling, trying to figure out how can how they can keep their head in the game, how they can improve. Do you have any any tips or advice you can give people out there to kind of keep their jiu-jitsu sharp or something they can work on at yeah, home? Yeah, man.
1: You know, uh, man, where there's a will, there's a way, right? Like, if, you, if you're one of these young guys or if you're a competitor still and, and, and you need to do something, I mean... A lot of these guys, what I'm noticing is a lot of them live together, right? A lot of these up-and-comers, they all have a roommate or something, so they can. But for the for the occasional guys who are by themselves, you got to figure out stuff to do, man. You can strengthen your fingers, you know, strengthen your core, uh, jump over a damn chair, like it doesn't matter. Just stay active, stay moving, stay moving, and then it's all here, man. It's all here. Keep your mind prepared. Watch jujitsu. Think jujitsu. Imagine yourself fighting. Imagine yourself in a tournament. Imagine yourself getting your hand raised. Imagine yourself going through the motions. Like that stuff to me is is ninety percent of the battle. You know that's why all that's why people have seen me show up to tournaments, fat as fuck, out of shape, and I still win. You know what I mean? Because it's all here. I've been preparing myself for so many years. You know, so prepare yourself mentally and keep moving, man. Just keep moving. You can do a lot of stuff with a damn pillow and a chair and. You know, with nothing, just movements, footwork, movements, footwork, you know. There's a will, there's a way.
3: I wanted to get into with you a little bit. I've talked with you before about your story, about your history. I want to get into your origin a little bit, what, what what you did before jiu-jitsu, how you got into jiu-jitsu. Like, you were like a college football player or something at one point, right?
1: Yeah, man. I was like since birth, you know. And what's crazy is like I see it in my son now. You know, he's eight years old. My oldest son is eight. And he's Orlando Jr. And and I see it in him now. I mean, anything this kid does, he's a, just unbelievably talented, you know. Coordination, movement, all that kind of stuff. And uh, ever since I was a little kid, I remember I was just amazing at everything, you know. Always really athletic. Always loved sports. And uh, played soccer for as long as I could remember. Baseball. You know, just played everything. And uh, and then I started getting bigger then I got into high school. Then I started playing football. I got into football. And then, uh, once I got into football, that kind of took over for a while for, you know, almost a decade there. And, uh, and then went on to play, um, you know, I was recruited by some schools, but back in those days, I didn't have grades at that time. I became ineligible for some math classes because I didn't have the right math classes. And, and I ended up coming, ended up going to junior college, we went to the Pasadena city college where we ended up in the national championship bowl game. Um, for junior college that year, and then from there, on, I ended up at Azusa Pacific University with Small um, Christian University, which uh, every time I would walk on campus, my body would start burning on fire. <laughs> Nogi, was World. Nogi World, was
3: there. I did, I did <laughs> World there one year.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They just started to so I was like, you know, Satan in the dress, like walking around there. You know, <laughs> Satan. And uh, no, I'll just play, just play. And then I played football there, and we had an awesome team. We actually went to the NAI National Championships the, the year I was there, so I was always on like these big championship teams and uh, played football, and then <clears throat> played football until I was what, like twenty two. Then I had a serious my senior year, I had a serious uh, bicep injury, I tore my bicep, and from there, uh, you know, you you obviously don't make it to the NFL when you're fucking four foot eleven like me, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 uh, and you know you're just not you know you just don't make it so that was when this shit hit the fan for me, you know? And that's, that, that's where things get really ugly. And, and uh, you know, I try to talk to jujitsu people about this too and, and help my younger guys and girls, but it's hard to talk sense into youngins, man, let me tell you. But um, at that age, so I'm done. I'm done with football, and I've dedicated 12 years of my life to it. And then nobody tells you that you have to go into real life now. You know, so I didn't know what the hell I was going to do, man. I was 22 years old, 21 years old. Nothing to do, you know. And uh, what I was really, really good at was just doing drugs, (laughs) partying. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do drugs and party and, you know, hang out with girls and do my thing. So that lasted for like a long time. And uh, got myself into some serious trouble with uh, with drug abuse. and, and, And now I look back. An I had addiction, but didn't know at the time, at the time I thought I was just being fun and having parties, you know, and, uh, spent like all of my twenties almost until I was about 26, 27. Um, you know, just doing drugs and partying, man, just destroying my life, destroying my brain, destroying my body. And, and, you know, got up to like 360 pounds and, and, uh, it was a crazy, just a crazy time. I mean, there's times where I sit there and I look back on my life and, and, like, there's big, huge patches that I have no clue what happened. Like, I don't even remember. And, like, things are hazy. It's pretty pretty wild, man, sometimes when I think back upon it. But, um, you know, at, at 26, 27, this, that, era, that age, I knew I was going to die. Like, that was it, you know. I had been dealing drugs for so long. Been doing drugs for so long. Like, just being in such bad circles of people all the time. Uh, just shady shit. When you're dealing with drugs... And money and guns and drug dealing and all that kind of stuff. That like, there's no good, no good things are going to happen from there. You know, put that with me at like 350. My own health, my own attitude. It was just a a a perfect storm being created. And then, uh, and then came the night that I I almost died in my own in my own bed. You know, I was I couldn't breathe. My heart was going to explode. I was. I was, uh, you know, got so bad. I was doing, got an ounce of cocaine a day, which if you break that down, it's like, you know, a thousand dollars an ounce almost sometimes you're talking about 30 grand a month on drugs. And then, uh, you know, it takes a toll on you, man. And, and I finally had to realize that I needed to do something. And that something that I found was eventually Brazilian jiu-jitsu. At first I asked a buddy of mine, I was like, Hey, I need help, dude. I need to do something. Because I was always in the business, I was always managing gyms and running gyms and stuff. Because when you, I, in my early twenties, I did some bodybuilding competitions, and when you're a bodybuilder, you can get away with being 380 pounds and, and just say you're off season, you know. <laughs> so you just wear sweatpants. You wear so I would wear sweatshirts and sweatpants, and it'd be like 800 degrees outside, and I'd be sweating, and I'd just be like 380 pounds full of steroids and fucking cocaine. And, uh, walking around the gym, like, oh yeah, I'm off season, bro. I'm off <laughs> oh season, God. bro. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and finally I caught up to me, man. And, uh, laying in bed that night and yada, yada. And I talked to a buddy of mine. I'll never forget this guy, Ricky Delgado shot out to Ricky Delgado. I said, Hey man, can you help me, bro? I need some help, man. I need to do something. You know, I've played sports aggressively my whole life and I've lost that fire for the last six, seven years. You know, I need to find something. And he's like, Oh man, why don't you start boxing? And, so he started like holding mitts for me and from holding mitts we went to his school that he was training at called Sit Ya Tong in Pasadena with crew Walter McClausky. Shout out crew Walter McClowski, He's my boy. I love that guy to death. Um, went to his school and I started Muay Thai. And uh, I was so fuck I was so fat and so massive that I had to get Walmart sweatpants and cut them. $5 sweatpants and cut them into shorts. It was so gangster. Oh, <laughs> I was wearing It was awesome because no Muay Thai shorts. No, I would get the I would get the Muay Thai shorts that were six X's, X X X X L, and they would like go up to my calf. Man, it was hilarious. <laughs> so, I, so I wore uh, I wore these I wore these uh, sweatpants and shorts, and I started to do some Muay Thai. Got into it. I loved it. And then in that gym is where I found uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and uh, you know uh, they would always have guys coming in. and, Guy came in one day and was kind of grappling with some other dudes, and then he asked me to grapple, and uh, and uh, from there I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll grapple, you know, whatever. I don't know what it is. I was, it was no gi, and just didn't have my shit on, and, and just a shirt and some shorts, and I was all big and tough, thinking, you know, and and long story short, he, he this guy dude, just, he was a black belt at the time, and I was, you know, nobody. He beat the living shit out of me, dude. Like, I remember, just I just popping elbows, getting choked, like, it was crazy, and I remember thinking to myself, like, this is it, like, this is what I'm, this is what I'm doing, you know, and after that roll, I, I was like, this is it, I'm gonna do this jujitsu shit, man, this jiu-jitsu shit is what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do this jujitsu shit, so, picture this, those of you who have been around jujitsu, twenty-six, 26, 27 year 360 pound, fucking, clueless white belt, coming off of drugs, and... He's going and, and he's saying to everybody that he's gonna be a world champion and that he's gonna uh do jitsu and he's gonna be the best. You know, so that was me. And imagine how many people laughed at me back then at uh, at my age. So that's where the uh, the journey began. Shortly after that, I found, you know, I was working at, at that working out at that gym with this guy, Pete Hahn, uh, for a while, a black belt named Pete Hahn, Freddie Sabatini was there teaching a couple of classes, Professor Freddie. Professor Pete Hahn, and then shortly after there, I got hooked up with a guy uh, and then uh, from there is right when I met Homelo Bajal. Homelo Bajal came from Brazil, landed here from Brazil didn't speak English I didn't speak Portuguese at the time, and then uh, there was a match made in heaven dude, me and Professor Hamlo Bajal, we we literally trained like after a couple months of that I started, uh, I got connected with him and we trained every single day for. Twice a day, once in the morning and once at night, I would go out to – he had a little place he was training at in Encino. And I would go out there with him, and, and we would train. That's when we met Edwin. Edwin was Edwin was a 14-year-old white belt at that time. So it was like – first it was me and Homolo by ourselves, me, Homolo, and Edwin. Uh, Edwin joined the mix. And, I mean, dude, you're talking old school, man. And there was a little crew back then. I mean, those were some crazy memories, dude. It was like a little, little school – and uh, that we, that had, they had started nothing like today. You know, we're talking, what was it, 2008? You know, starting about 2008. And, uh, and it was awesome because Professor Romulo was in the prime. You know, he had gotten black belt of the year, 2008. And then he hurt his shoulder. He had shoulder surgery. And then when he came back from here, like 2009, and uh, he started working with me and, and just he would just beat my ass so all he would do was kick my ass like that's it he would just kick my ass. and i could take a beating you know so he loved it so i would just come in just like ah, i'd try to fight him with all my heart and i would not quit ever and he would just beat the shit out of me so that's how i got good that's how i started jiu-jitsu i never did a fundamentals class i just, <laughs> just got my got ass, kicked my, <laughs> i got my ass whipped by professor Mahal, and uh, that's how i got so good at you know understanding grips and spider guard and and getting my ass kicked and and all that kind of stuff, you know, he was, he was, uh, and then from there, you know, we've been together ever since he gave me my black belt. He gave me my black belt four years after I started. And, uh, it was pretty amazing. I, I did my first tournament, like two, three months into training jiu-jitsu. It was at the, uh, LA convention center. And I was driving down to the tournament. I had no idea what the rules were and shit. I was like, what do I do? And, uh, ended up winning that tournament I have a picture of me and Homolo at that tournament with my gold medal on. I was wearing a big old black Lucky gi with a big old thick white belt. And then, uh, and then I literally won every single tournament I did all the way. I think my first loss was uh, at the Abu Dhabi Pro. Uh, actually, no, it was it – was, uh, yeah, like the Abu Dhabi Pro, like around purple belt. I think I had won uh, uh, my boy uh, Big Willie. Like blue belt at what at the world? Is this Final guy from Lloyd Irving? That's Muhammad's boy. Big yeah, big yeah, 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 yeah. Muhammad was out here big talking Willie. about this guy the other
3: day, Big Willie.
1: <laughs> oh, Big Willie's my man, dude. So it was me and Big Willie forever. So it was <laughs> big me and, Willie him on this and Podcast, dude. <laughs> oh, he's the man. Big Willie's the man, dude. He's such a cool, nice guy, dude. And uh, he made me so much better. You know, and people don't understand how good opponents can make you so much better and he always really pushed me you know uh because i would like smash everybody and kill everybody and i was just doing it on sheer will and strength and power and all that and then i would fucking fight him in the finals of everything and uh, Dude, it wasn't you and, until you
3: and big willie at purple Belt that was probably some epic battles
1: <laughs> oh it was all, no we, we, we battled that blue belt we battled that purple belt and then, uh, and then after Purple Belt, I beat him at Brown Belt, and then I, would never lie, never, I didn't lose again to him. And then he kind of uh, stopped training after that a little bit and got into some stuff. But he's an awesome dude, man. I love that guy. We went to Abu Dhabi together two, uh, two times. I mean, we've traveled the world together. He was, he was Lloyd Urban's, like, I think he still is Lloyd Urban's most successful guy. He won double gold every belt, you know. Like, he was the man, dude. He was really good dude. Yeah, people,
2: are, people are forgetting about him, though. People are forgetting, like, he literally yeah. like, closed every single division and he, like, won everything. His name is Big Willie because, because of a reason. Like, dude's big and he yeah. won everything.
1: He massive. Except for the ones he that you beat him massive. at. Course, but, like. He is massive. He is massive. He is massive. He's so big. And, like, in my early age, like, uh, white belt, blue belt, purple belt, like, I didn't know, I didn't have the technique and I didn't really understand jiu-jitsu. So I was still, like, not good enough, not big enough. He was two, three times my size. I mean, he's massive, guys. And he has a wrestling base, a wrestling background, big time wrestler. So he understands head control. And, you know, he was way ahead of my me um, until, you know, until I fought him at Brown Belt and I pulled guard and I, I actually used jiu-jitsu to beat him. And that's when, you know, the, 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 the uh, he was so cool, man. Great. He was really close with uh, DJ Jackson. Him and DJ would always close out everything. And then uh, came Keenan. Let's not forget Keenan was Lloyd Irvin. And uh, winning everything with those guys too. It was always Keenan, DJ Jackson, and Willie Leonard. They would win everything, and then and I was John ja Gabriel, ja <laughs> Gabriel in Brazil,
2: <laughs> yeah. and John ja- Gabriel in Brazil.
1: Yeah, until I went and I beat him.
3: In, uh, in <laughs> <laughs> Who were some other big names the- that you fought at, at the color belts at Purple and Brown and stuff?
1: Uh, so Purple. Let me see. I beat the Meow at Purple. I beat. Apple when I was that, was that was a cool story in uh, Abu Dhabi pro um which and, uh, Come, I I don't remember which one it was man it was when they they landed in, in in Abu Dhabi right and there was this huge buzz i don't know if you remember this bear but everybody yeah, yeah. was talking everybody was talking about these two little japanese brazilian kids and they were saying man like and they were like tiny guys and and they said they were there all week and no black belt could pass their guard, remember? And, like, every because, you know, they stay on the mats and train. And everybody, like, nobody could fuck with them. And I love those kids. I became the biggest fans of those kids. They're my favorite jiu guys. Those guys are the best. And uh, and we were in Abu Dhabi Pro, and it was, like, the second or third Abu Dhabi Pro. And I was a purple belt. And I – dude, that was one of my best tournaments. I smashed everybody. Like, double – I got to the finals of, of both divisions. And then I – like destroyed my ribs in the first ten seconds of the finals. Uh but I fought like DJ Jackson. I fought the Meows one of the Meow brothers. Um uh tapped DJ and then passed the Meow brothers guard. Uh who else did I fight? I fought the Sheik's son. I popped the Sheik's son's arm. That dude. Uh Faisal. It was cool man. Was, yeah, Faisal. Faisal yeah. popped his arm in the in the tournament. And it was just it was fun, man. It was I don't know, it was cool times back then, man. It was, uh, it was a good time. Those tournaments were crazy, man. But, uh, but yeah, the Meow fight was crazy. And, and uh, somebody had a recording of it. And I swear, man, I'm so upset I still don't have that recording. But uh, it was literally, it was so crazy. I was, you know, three times his size. And I just pressure passed. I like going, 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 going. Finally, I got far enough to his side that the referee gave me points. And then I said, "Fuck this! I'm done." (laughs) I let him pull his. I let him pull his guard back. There was like a minute left. He put his guard back, and I'm like, "Fuck! I'm just chilling." And uh, he was, dude. And this was when they were like really, really passionate. Do you remember that bear? They were so passionate. They would. They would like cry, like scream in the middle of the match. And uh, the brother would. One of the brothers would scream from the sideline and then the other one would like you know it was crazy man they were so hyped up and i remember when i passed the guard and they gave me three points he started screaming no, pasó, no he's like crying in the i was like oh my god this is tricky, dude and uh, <laughs> it was crazy man but yeah it's been fun man i has I, I battled a lot of those dudes i fought uh who did i fought? henato cardoza in brazil that was one of my best tournaments uh I'm the only brown belt ever to double gold in Brazil at the Brazilian Nationals. That's not Brazilian. Um, and down there I fought and Cardoza Joao Gabriel, a um, bunch of the big name Brazilian guys that were up in, in that time, man. What, what was um, that trip like,
0: you know, going to Brazil is kind uh, of a right of passage for a lot dude, of people.
1: Oh man. That, that was awesome, man. That was such a fun trip, dude. That was, that was a trip, uh, you know, to remember, dude, that was, that was my first, that was, my first time in Brazil, I had flown a, a Gracie Baja up in the, the northern part of the country. I stayed there for a week, training, training. It was super hot um, up in uh, like Recife area. And, dude, it was like, you know, 120 degrees, dude. And I couldn't last for a minute. So I was up there training and and, uh, and then the week of the fight, I flew back into Rio and then got ready and uh, and then I fought and I just had a great tournament, man. It was... a uh, it was, it was like, you know, I tell these kids that I, I coach and I, and I tell them, man, like, tournaments are crazy. I learned this from Professor Homlo. Like, you know, some tournaments, some days, it just, everything clicks and everything just goes your way, you know. And then you got to just kind of believe in yourself and you just got to go through the motion. You know, you can't get so hyped. You can't think too much. You just got to let your body take over. And uh, that was definitely one of those days that I felt like I was almost like an outer body experience. You know, I had 10 matches Uh, in outside in the tennis club it was so hot I mean it was crazy dude I'm dripping sweat and of course so I'm American right this is a great story so I go to fight Joao Gabriel in the finals and they're everybody's pissed because I already won my division (laughs) and I'm some I'm some American punk right so they're trying to do everything to shut me down there, so I'm, I'm, I'm wearing a, my only gi that I had, and it was 120 degrees in this damn tin fucking tennis hut that we were fighting in or whatever. And I'm so hot, right? So uh, Mansour, dude, comes by and uh, touches my gi and says, oh, it's too wet. You can't fight. You can't fight with that gi. I said, what are you talking about, bro? I've been fighting with this gi all day. Like, this is the finals, man.
0: Oh no, on a cliffhanger. Sorry, we're back. We're back. All right.
1: <laughs> so they Sorry, you... we're back. I just got a call. <laughs> and he told me so, so, so Alvaro Mansoor, you know, the head referee down there, he, who actually, you know, Joao Gabriel's master or whatever. Yeah. They're all related. So he comes over and tells me, Oh, your gi's too wet. You can't fight like that. Sorry. If you don't find another gi, you can't fight. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm standing here by myself. The only other person here is, is Homelo because he was down there fighting, and he coached me every fight. And I'm like, okay, bro, there was this Brazilian guy. I'm going to find this picture, and I'm going to send it to you. There's this Brazilian guy sitting up in the stands all by himself, just this dark-skinned Brazilian dude, and he's sitting there, and he goes like this to me. He's like, you know, waves yeah. me over. He's like, and he's like, here, use my gi, use my gi. Bro. Talk about gangster ass Brazilian ghee. It had like fucking pizza patches on it. <laughs> it had fucking. No, it had every patch you could think of. I was fucking Brazilian out, bro. I was straight Brazil. And it was like an old Atama dude. It fucking stunk, had patches, it had like wrist. <laughs> on the back it said like rest in peace to some homie from the favela like dude it was crazy <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like, epic yeah, man <laughs> yeah it was awesome so I put this gi on I put this gi on and I go out and I fight and uh, you know homo's screaming homo's fucking pumping me up and boom I beat Joao Gabriel in the finals you know a couple advantages or whatever and and uh, and, and fuck at that time I was, I was happier than shit I got three and I have a picture and I'll send it to you guys of me in this gi that's all blue passed up raised a hand and Joel was pissed and he took off and it was funny man it was a uh, it was a great trip man and those are the things that I love about what's up what's up a lot of
2: people a lot of people don't realize like that state in the ti- that state in time right like now we're so like we're, we we know what's happening now with like the double gold person like Victor Hugo wins something exactly but that I time mean, like, like,
1: like nobody and that's the crazy thing is like I think about my my career, right? Like if I had flow grappling, you know, and this is kind of part of like you know the shirt and everything that I that, that I joke about. Like if I had something like flow grappling, and, and I shout out to flow grappling because they have elevated the sport, fucking leaps and bounds. You know, they are like IBJJF, you know, caliber. That you know what I mean? Like they, like IBJJF sure. has done so much. For jiu-jitsu, flow grappling is also. I always give flow grappling a hard time, and I tease them, but I love them. <laughs> they, have, they have given jiu-jitsu so much, you know, because imagine, dude, those are the best guys, and there's some of, those, some of those guys are still the best guys today, you know. I don't really compete much, but I still jump in there, and I'll still fucking fight anybody anytime, anywhere, you know what I mean? John Gabriel is still but one they don't of the best guys in the
2: world. You said you beat Renato Cardozo, who was basically the best brown belt. In the world at that Absolutely. time, being everybody and Joe Gabriel, yeah. nobody could touch him. Like like you those guys in Brazilian nationals I, is like a big deal. Like it was huge.
1: It's a big deal, and I and then and then I get home. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm the fucking man. And then in Gracie Magazine, there's a fucking like little, little, little fucking last page. Last page on the fucking back, underneath some fucking you know fucking Giad that says uh, Orlando like you got to use a fucking tell- Orlando Sanchez fucking beats all the Brazilians ass in Brazilian nationals uh, you know like what the f- imagine if i had flow grappling imagine like, you know I'm huge like I, story. About, I mean it is a huge story i think about yeah, yeah. I, I think about those days man you know what i'm saying i think about that like like you know and i've been blessed man with with a great career in jiu jitsu and i've done well to to you know, to be myself and to be real as fuck and never sell out, never be a bitch, and and and, and <laughs> always be true to myself. You know what I'm saying? And uh, uh, and uh, and and you know, Bear Bear's been with me since day one, man. I fucking Bear gave me my first gi that was like, like you know, I was a blue belt, um, and I and I went to win the world championship in the gi that he gave me. I still have it; on hanging on my wall actually, right here. The I got to show you guys now. It's part of the story. Yeah, Check take this us out a lot Bear. over man. Bear, Bear gave me this gi right there. That's the yeah. uh, that was the first A2H ever made. And, <laughs> and and listen, listen to this. So Bear was all fat as fuck and <laughs> fat and, and he Bro. was wearing catch. Bro, man, I was working. working. He was Come Listen, on. Listen, <laughs> listen, listen. Listen to the story. Listen. Listen <laughs> to the story. And shit. He was He was yeah. fat as fuck. He was wearing khakis and a tucked in fucking shirt. And he would come from work, his job, right? And he would meet me at the Shoy Roll little room. There was like a little office they had. It was a room. And they had like a little locker with like a couple geese on top. And uh, he was fucking the man, dude. It was nine o'clock at night. He would come out of fucking his job. And he would meet me at Shoy Roll. And, and he would hand me this gee, like, you know, when, when nobody was wearing Shoy Roll and shit, you know? And uh, and he believed in me, man, since day one. I have never taken a sponsorship offer. I have never taken a sponsorship anything. I've never taken a sponsorship deal. I've never taken money. I have never taken shit. Never taking shit. I worked my ass off just to to pay my respects to Bear and 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 and, and fight for his the loyalty and 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 that kind of shit. And then when it put, when push came to shove, Bear took care of me. You know what I mean? And that's what people are missing nowadays. People will fucking sell their soul for a goddamn t-shirt you know what i'm saying for for oh I fucking i'm sponsored by this team today and i'm sponsored by like it's there's no loyalty anymore in jiu man there's no there's no like i don't see that anymore you know it, it's it's fucked up you know it's and it, what happens is it creates like i don't know it creates like a just creates like a weird situation because it's more of, it's no more team sport it's just more like you know every man for themselves and and everybody's down to fuck each other over. And, I mean, fuck, we can go on about the stories of how many times I've been fucked over. And, you know, it's sad, man. It's sad. But Bear can never say that I ever, ever, ever went out, you know, and, and fucked him over or disrespected my loyalty to the brand of Shoyer Roll and, uh, and, and all that, man. And I take pride in that, you know. I take, I take a lot of pride in that because you don't see that, man. You don't see people that are willing to put that kind of much uh, love and effort and sacrifice sure could have i could i have made a thousand bucks or two thousand bucks or five thousand bucks going somewhere else and wearing some you know thing in a tournament or you know what i'm saying no yeah i could have but i never did man i never did you, you
3: know? uh, somebody somebody jumped in the uh youtube comment said big willie's name was william leonard so that, that <laughs> yeah that, we, that.
1: yeah willie leonard yeah, uh, Yeah.
3: You, you mentioned how the brown belts and stuff didn't used to get any. I think that's why that uh, Kumite thing blew up so much. You guys remember that Kumite that uh, Lloyd yeah. put up on YouTube? Because yeah, that, yeah. that was the only way to see those guys. Got
1: back in those days, like, yes.
3: No, sorry, go, go ahead. I, I'll
0: let you go first.
1: I was just going to say, back in those days, and, I, dude, we're not even talking. I, I'm talking like I'm fucking 100 years old. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This yeah. was only like 10 years old. This was only like 10 years ago. It, back in that time, which is so not long ago, like there, there was thing, dude. There was not only people who got coverage, were Hozier, Braulio, right, um, uh, H- homolo. like you know, your your handful of black belts that were connected to Gracie Mag, you know, and and dude, they 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 earned it. They put in their work, but that was all. That that's it. Gracie Mag, Gracie Mag was the only thing there. Um, and, you know, everybody, you'd have to wait till the issue came out. This was 10 years ago, guys, 12 years ago. You'd have to wait till the issue came out, and then you'd go through it and you'd read all the cool facts about what happened in the tournaments and stuff. It was crazy. It's crazy how far we've come in such a short amount of time. You know what I mean?
0: Orlando, you were crazy. you were chasing the geese circuit. You know, your double goal is a Brown Bob, Brazilian Nationals. But I want to ask you about your history with ADCC. You know, that's got to be yeah. your crowning achievement. You're a world champion there. When did it come onto your radar? Like, what was your first experience with ADCC? And then take me through um, your competition record there as well.
1: Hell yeah, okay. So, a lot of people have to understand, like, I started jiu-jitsu at 26 years old. I was getting married at the same time, coming off of drugs, and, and, uh, and, and I'm a drug addict. And I'm going to be a drug addict for the rest of my life. I'm sober, but I'm a drug addict which means my brain is wired as a drug addict. I have massive addiction, you know, compulsion disorders, all that kind of stuff that I understand now that I've been in therapy for a decade. But like for me, when I started and I started competing like right away and I understood that I wanted to compete guys like me and I, and and I watched an interview and I swear to God, I'm the biggest Tyson Fury fan. Tyson Fury and I speak exact same language. He's a drug addict, too. I mean, he did the same thing I did. Ballooned to 400, came back down, and then said, you know what? I'm going to win. You know what I mean? And I, and I honestly, I'm telling you right now, like, I'm not done yet. Like, I'm, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to win the ADCC someday. And You know, it doesn't matter how I am. It's just about here. It's about my brain. Um, but going back, I've never got into jiu-jitsu. I never got into jiu-jitsu competition and thought of, like, I want to be fucking 20-time world champion you know i, I want to be a 100 time pan am champion i never thought of my resume saying orlando sanchez 10 time pan am champion 10 time world champ like that was never me. me i hit it and i'm out like that's what that's me like i like to achieve shit boom out boom out you know that's why i can't believe i i, I stayed with my wife so quickly cuz she has something special cuz you know what i'm saying i'm in and out bro i'm in and i'm too short i'm a player but, uh, but like it, for me, it was it was always like, oh tournament, okay, I want to go win that shit, or I want to go beat this guy, or I want to, you know, like I beat Leandro Lowe first time I fought him, I was over it. After that, I was like, I don't care about that anymore. Or yeah, I do this, I win this tournament, oh, I'm over it. You know what I'm saying? Like I never was like, oh, I want to go win. But and then there's something about the ADCC that when I first fought it, you know, because of the prestige. And, and, and just because of like the level of competition and then like I fought my first one uh, in Beijing, which was probably the worst one ever. Uh, but, uh, you know, I had a, a good showing my first time. I was, that was like my fourth year of jujitsu. I was just got my black belt. Um, and I had that, uh, 20 minute fight with uh cyborg that went zero, zero and, uh, and, and he ended up taking it. Um, and then, uh. After that, you know, I became really good friends with Mo. Mo Jassim is, is fucking man, I love that dude, man. Mo shout out to Mo Jassim, he's the fucking man. And like guys like him and, and then just the history, you know, the history of, of Man Wake as an ADCC champion. For it, you know, there's a different prestige about it, man. Yeah. Like there's there's no there's no there's no lying, dude. There's no, you know what I'm saying? There's no – you can never deny somebody once they win. I mean, from the first fight to the last fight, you know, all the matches you have in an ADCC tournament are all going to be chance They're all going to be badass guys, you know. And I think the level of fu- – the quality of competition, all that stuff, you know, and it's definitely not the money. The money's – there's tournaments paying way more than ADCC now, you know. And uh, – I don't know. I just love it, man. And what Mo turned it into this last year, man, he finally got me more motivated to start getting in shape again. Cause I showed up to this last one, bro. I didn't train once, <laughs> you know? I was so fat and out of shape, but I still showed up and I, you know what I'm saying? Still showed up to, didn't get any points scored on me. Hey, hey, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, but yeah, the ADCC to me is, is like, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like a whole like, culture man it's a whole like no 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 it's just something that's very meaningful you know that I've always that I've always respected you know Um, and then all the other tournaments it's kind of like yeah you know after I would win one like I'd be over it you know I'd win a tournament I'd be over it so that's kind of like how my competition career went I would win and then and then once I got to black belt I did a few competitions I beat some high level guys fought some high level guys and I was just kind of over it you know and then I and one thing about me is when I first started Jiu Jitsu as a white belt, I knew that I was already late in the game and I knew that I had to make a living and do Jiu Jitsu. So I wasn't one of those guys who just did jujitsu. all day. I ran my, I ran my company, you know, started a gym. Uh, you know, I swept the mats, signed people up, made phone calls, cleaned the geese, cleaned the mats. I did everything myself and built my, one of my first school, you know, as a, I, I started teaching as a blue belt. Uh, the guy who I was with back then, he was like, yo, if you get uh, 15 people to start paying you, we'll lease a space and open you a school. I said, cool, man. I'll do it. So I had a little old, like, old piece of shit car, and I had uh, I had stopped selling drugs at the time, so I got rid of my Cadillac and shit. <laughs> so I had an old piece of shit car, and I had a bunch of geese in the back and, I, and waivers. And then I would go to this karate school in Pasadena, kid Power martial arts, and I would use their mat. Their- and here I am, bro, as a hustling blue belt with a bag full of geese and waivers, and I fucking got 15 people to start paying for jiu-jitsu classes, and I started running classes out of that thing, and that's how I opened my first school.
3: Okay, uh, I, w- I want to talk about you winning ADCC in Sao Paulo, but uh, first I want to go back to a couple things you said there. When you yeah. said you beat Leandro Lowe. When did you beat Leandro
1: Lowe? So I beat Leandro Lowe my black belt day. Oh, actually, my second black belt tournament. So I got my black belt. I went to Chicago. Uh, I, I won like all the, you know, there was only like one or two fights in the, in the divisions, all the fights. I beat Gregor Gracie in the finals uh, at my debut uh, in absolute. I beat I fought Gregor Gracie. I pulled guard, and then I swept him, and then I, I beat him 2-0. Um, and then he fucking bitched me out on the internet for like two weeks talking shit to me. But anyways, <laughs> I love him now. He's cool. You know, shout out to Gregor. Uh, you know, Everybody talks shit about me, man. You know what, and and everybody I fight, you know why? And it's funny to me because, you know, oh, Orlando's big and Orlando's strong. And Orlando, uh, like, what does that have to do with anything? There's plenty of guys who are big and strong. Like, I want to see you guys, I want to see all the other big and strong guys go and pull guard on Leandro Lowe or pull guard on Gregor Gracie and then sweep him and then hold him down for eight minutes. Yeah, let's see if they can do that. You know what I'm saying? So all you motherfuckers talking shit. Come see me and we'll see what's up. Uh, but it, anyways, anyways, going back to my, my brain's all uh, off track. Going back, uh Leandro Lowe, it was in the quarterfinals of the absolute uh of the Panams Pan Ams when Leandro was like killing everybody. I think he was fighting at like middleweight at the time, middle heavy or something. He was a little bit smaller, I think, than he is now. Um, because I don't think he prayed enough back then, but, uh, you know, he, uh, he was like one, I don't know. I think he was like middle heavy, but anyways, uh, I fought, he was like killing every, he was, he was the man, dude. I admired him as a competitor. I was like, this guy's fucking dope. He would like come out and jump and like do all that crazy shit. And, and I beat, I beat a bunch of good guys in the absolute, I had three matches already. This was my first black belt Pan Ams ever. And then, uh, I was exhausted, man. I was so tired. I went into the hallway, of the, I remember, and I, and I sat down and I started talking. I think it was Homolo and, and some other GB guys there. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm going to pull guard. And everyone's like, what? No, man. No. I said, yeah, man. I'm gonna pull guard. And everyone's like, no, dude, don't no, fucking stay on top. You're pressure. Blah, blah. I'm like, no, bro, I'm going to pull guard. Watch. Watch me. So comes the match, me and Leandro, we come out. Boom, shake hands. What do I do? Boom, pull guard. You pull guard right? and Leandro look yeah I pulled guard on Leandro Low and, and uh, uh the video's up the video you, you can pull on YouTube I pulled guard Leangelo and then uh and then I got my advantages for, for almost sweeping him from because like he got stuck in a position and then I think I pulled guard I don't remember if I pulled guard on him twice uh and then almost almost got him up like I got up with his leg and then he ran out of bounds you know um so anyways, I got my advantages and then once I got my advantages I'm like, bro you ain't never gonna fuck with me now so you know, and then once he pulled guard, and he beat me on top of him, that was game over. Like I put him on his head, and I started passing, and yada yada yada. Uh, and then, uh, and then obviously, I, you know, I won the – They gave me the match. I won the match, and uh, that was like my most fun victory, you know, because for me it's like individual things. I love to do a little little accomplishments, you know, and that was a huge accomplishment for me when I was there, you know, especially like doing it my way, like pulled guard, so nobody could talk shit to me, right? Like, oh, I. You're just so big and strong. Well, I pull guard, you know. I, I did it, you know. So, anyways, I did that, and then after that, the next fight was against Andre Galvão. And uh, I remember that. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah dude. and that was one of my fights, dude, because it was a it was a battle, you know. He it was, was ref decision, tonight. right? It was it was zero zero ref decision, and they gave it to him, and the whole place booed. Remember, they had us up on the big screen. They had us up on the big it was screen. That was a classic. It was match. classic. It was an awesome match. Man. And I cause I had him like on his head bent over the whole time. And they, they said they gave it to him because I allow like, I was baiting him with the omaplata. You know, I would let him omoplata to me, and then I would grab the back of his pants and just smash him like this. So they were saying that, oh well, he omoplata'd you, which is bullshit. But uh, anyways, we had an <laughs> awesome match. It was so much fun uh, and those are the great memories that I have, you know. It was so fun. Me and Andre had a great time that match. And, and, uh, and it was 0-0 and, and ref's decision. And that was, you know, one of my best. That, that was my second black belt tournament ever, dude, in the gi. That's four years of training. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I trained for four years. One, two, three, four. Four years. And I beat Leongelo. And then I went 0-0, you know, uh, decision with Andre Galval and the Pan Ams absolute, you know. <laughs> And then uh, and and so those are memories that I get to keep forever, you know. And and that that shit is, is stays true to my heart, and and that's what I have so much love for jujitsu, man. Were you, you know? still just training things, with hollow time?
0: I, like who who was pushing tra- you in the gym? Like how are you getting ready for these? Nobody,
1: man. I wasn't. Tra- I don't. Nobody, bro. I trained by myself, bro. I did my shit. I'm the fucking man, dude. That's why you see all these people training twenty hours a day and all this shit. I show up fat with a cheeseburger, and motherfuckers can't score a point on me, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like you still, you know what I mean. So it's just it, it, you know. With me, I've known. Look, if I'm in shape and I'm mentally healthy, I can't be beat. And there's nobody that could beat me in the world, you know. And uh, and that's if I'm if I'm in shape and I'm mentally healthy. And and the problem is, is a lot of things do not excite me enough to get there. You yeah. know, and and that's my problem. Is ah, I won the ADCC. So to go through a whole six weeks of really pushing myself to try to get ready to go win, like it's kind of like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's hard. That's why getting to the top and winning is easy. Once you win, it's harder after that, you know? Well, speaking uh, of being in shape,
3: you just said that you did ADCC 2019 without training once. What happened there?
1: I I, I didn't train with man. I have three kids, you know, houses. I got so many things going on, and uh, I just couldn't get there. Plus my mind, you know, like I just explained. My mind is is is. You don't want to be in my head, man. It's just, it's a weird place.
3: Yeah, you look, <laughs> but, but, uh, you look pretty good for not training
1: once, dude. Not to mention, I was about fifty pounds overweight, dude. I could I couldn't even fucking move, bro. And uh, <laughs> and and still, you know, still uh, uh, had an awesome fight with Nick Rodriguez. You know, he caught me off guard. That first fucking slap to the back of the head. <clears throat> you know that was. was for, super caught me off guard and then you know but after that like man he had me on the back he had my back on the floor I got right back up and you know we pushed the whole the whole 20 minutes or whatever the whole 10 minutes um, and imagine dude I didn't fucking train once for that you know I haven't done but anything Orlando, so yo
2: but on, on that side man like you like in all honesty like you're probably one of the most decorated Americans in that short amount of time that's achieved like the highest amount of results but flipping off of that like i think that's a big part of your history but i think like for me knowing you for a long period of time and i think you're one of the probably biggest advocates and you've inspired me and you've inspired probably a a number of people on mental health and you're saying you go through a lot of you've been through therapy for close to a decade and you know you've heard a lot of things and you've seen a lot of things like what do you what are just things that you face in your head and things that you think people face that like you you like to say, hey, you're not alone and just some of that part. Man, like the mental oh, health dude, side, of it, mean, you know, and addiction. Oh
1: dude, I mean, uh it's dude, I don't care who you are, you deal with something, you know? Whether it be you don't think you're good enough, you don't think you deserve, um, you know, uh whether you think uh everybody hates you, uh We all deal with something, you know, and it's all traced back to the trauma. At some point in our childhood, we were all, you know, something happened somewhere, whether they meant it or not, that kind of skewed the way we look at ourselves or others as we grow up, you know, and uh, to me, I've become such a mental health advocate because what really made me figure this out was because... What was it like, oh, 2000, when, like? 2010 maybe like when I first, when I first was doing really good, right? Like I got off, of, I I stopped using cocaine, and I was doing really well. And you know, my my first gym was doing well. I had just gotten married. Uh, my wife Trisha was either pregnant or just had my first son, and I I realized like nothing was making me happy. Like I didn't feel any happiness. And then that guilt for not feeling that was a motherfucker. Right. So what did I start doing? I started trying to destroy my life again. Like started getting into shit, right. Started fucking up my marriage, started doing drugs, sneakless, like sneaking around, doing drugs here and there. Like, you know, like going back into that, like, like trying to destroy myself again. And that was when things changed for me. That's when I, when I stopped one day and when I hit kind of like that wall and said, why am I doing what I'm doing? And that was the biggest question that saved my life, is why am I doing what I'm doing? So if you guys are out there and if anybody's feeling, you know, ashamed or alone or confused and, and, and you know, is hurting somebody else, it's not meaning to hurt somebody, cheating, drugs, whatever it may be, and you have a serious, like, look in the mirror, and you say, why am I doing this? And if you, because truly, you get to a point where you don't know why. You just don't know why. Your body just takes over and you eat shit. And, you, you know, it's trying to sabotage my own life. So that was about 10 years ago. I asked myself, I said, Orlando Sanchez, why are you doing this? Like, you've, you've taken such a good step at becoming healthier and better. And all are you doing this? And that." I broke down, and I'll never forget. I broke down. I was in tears, and my best friend. At, you know, he's still one of my best friends now. But at the time, Michael Catherwood. Shout out to Michael Catherwood. Uh, you know, Michael Psycho Mike. Mike from Psycho Mike from Dr. Drew and 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 Loveline and all that. And he's got his own podcast now and stuff. Um, anyways, he held me by my hand, dude, and and I was bawling, bawling, crying, dude, bawling, crying. Imagine, I'm already a like, can. I won all the championships already for two years in my jiu-jitsu. Here I am, like you know, the baddest dude and whatever. School, nice car, doing it all, and I was miserable. And I started bawling and and crying and crying and crying. And and he took me by the hand, dude, and he took me over and and he's like, "We got to get you some some help, man." And uh and we started looking up some therapists and I find a therapist and I started working with my therapist. You know, this was ten years ago and and uh, you know I would go in my first therapy sessions. I would at, when I first started. Started, I would do therapy sessions, and uh, and now I do one every two weeks to to maintain. She's I, I look at her more as my life coach now, but, um, but yeah, man, I've, it's it's that crazy feeling of 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 not knowing why you're doing things or why you're hurting yourself or why you're hurting other people or or why you're so hurt yourself or why you're depressed or you know all those things that you need to figure it out. And you need help to figure that out, man. You need to talk to somebody who's a professional who can take you back and start peeling the layers off of your life, man. Your childhood, you know, whatever it is that's in it. Because all of us have something, you know. All of us have that little boy or little girl inside of us, you know, that we're either protecting or we're hurting, you know. And now I get to talk like a man and feel comfortable saying that I'm protecting the little boy that's inside of me, you know. We're seeing eye to eye now. And, uh, and that's a good feeling, you know, but if it wasn't for therapy, you know, man, I'd be long gone. dude. Dude, I hurt myself. I would have hurt many many other people. You know, it would have been a disaster. And I'm a huge, huge advocate for getting help, getting help. You know, I'm a man. I fight. I got tattoos on my knuckles. I got fucked up ears. I'll fucking fight you anywhere, anytime, any place. I don't care, but I cry. I'm vulnerable. Uh, I'm not perfect. And I'm always asking for help. I can always get better, you know? And I think that's being a, a, a real leader, not just talking bullshit on Facebook and saying you're a leader and doing all this shit. Like, doing is actually being a leader, you know?
0: Orlando, uh, a lot of world champions we've had on this podcast have expressed the same sentiment that after winning their their biggest title, there's this feeling... Of emptiness, actually, did that happen after ADCC? After you won
1: that, did you feel a little bit lost, bro? That happens in everything in life. That so, with me, that is an ongoing occurrence, right? So, you know, for me, it's always it's always hard because my desire to want is much stronger than the desire to have. So, the 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 journey of getting things is much more exciting than when I get them. You know, does that make sense? So, you know, the big multimillion dollar house or the race cars or, you know, the Rolexes and all that shit that I have gotten in my past and that I thought was like something that was cool and is going to make me happy. Like you realize it's just all emptiness, man. It's all emptiness until you go back and you peel the layers out of what's going on from within your childhood, from whatever things that have happened that have made you the way you are, you know? There's things, there's holes inside of us that we need to fill. Not just fill, because that's that's what addicts do. They fill with shit. But we need to go out there, cut it open, squeeze the pus out, and then sew it back up. That's how you heal, you know what I'm saying? And uh, that's absolutely right. That's where so many guys get in trouble, so many people. Because they don't realize that their addict brain or their, you know, look, if you're training fucking four or five times a day for 10 years and and competing every weekend, you're crazy. <laughs> right? You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're not normal. You're an addict. You're not a normal person. You're an addict. You're an addict. You're an addict. You know, you're an addict, man. You know, I was, I could not stop doing cocaine, ounce of cocaine every day, party coke, party coke. That's my addiction driving me, you know? And then when I switched, I got off, I got into jiu-jitsu. I did the same thing with jiu-jitsu. Uh, I trained two, three times a day. That's why, that's why when, when, when a little kid or, or, or a teenager or whatever come up to me and say, I'm going to be a world champion. I'm going to do this. I, I can tell them right away, like, no, you're not. Like in my head. No, you're not. Or yes, you are. You know, because it's that, it's, it's this, it's the way you're wired, man. It's, it's things inside of us. And then that's why that sentiment of so many people feel empty inside because a lot of people are with the same things that I am, but they're not willing to talk about it. They're not expressing, you know, the feelings or, or whatever shit from the past is hurting them or whatnot. You know, they're just like, Oh, I want, and I don't feel happy. Well, there's a lot more to that story. You know what I'm saying? And I'm here to say that it's okay. It's okay to feel that way. But make sure you talk to somebody about it, man. You know, it's okay to talk to people. You got to find people that you love and you trust, you know? And and especially nowadays, I feel like men, especially, are not allowed to be or to talk to each other, you know, or, or, or to express feelings like I'm expressing right now. You know what I'm saying? So, it's a, it's a strange feeling, you know. It's a strange feeling because I have felt like that since I was a child. Everything I do, I want more. Everything I do, eh, I'm over it. I want more. I won the ADCC. Okay, well, you know. And that's why that thing that I said before, like, winning it ten times doesn't do shit to me. Winning it twice really doesn't do shit to me. ADCC is the only thing I like because it's the culture and the people. And I just really enjoy doing you know. But uh, as far as all those titles, like, those... I never got into this to win anything ten times. I can't. I couldn't do that, dude. I couldn't do something ten times like that. It's like boom, in and out, in and out, in and out. Next, next, next. And then once I got my black belt, I won some tournaments. I beat some good guys. I won the ADCC, and then I was like, okay, well now what's this Build, building businesses? I own six academies. I have three kids. You know, it just keeps growing. And now I'm involved in something that's going to take me to the next step, and then the next step you know I, my vision in my head is i will become a billionaire businessman you know and continue and even when i get there i still most likely won't be happy or satisfied or i will continue to keep pushing forward to achieve more you know but i'm doing it in a different way now you know in more of a healthy way where i i'm open expressing it talking about it etc you know so my moral of that little story is get help man talk to people if if, if you feel empty, you're achieving big deals and, and, and nothing is making you happy, that's a dangerous place to be. Because if you don't understand that process, you're going to get in more trouble. You're going to end up hurting yourself. And that's where I say, please talk to somebody, man. Talk to somebody. Find something. I can tell you right now, at the end of the day, whether I go out and I make a deal for $50 million or win another ADCC or whatever. Win- It does not matter because I go home and I see my beautiful kids. My baby girl, Penelope, my baby boy, Orin, and my big boy, Orlando Jr., and my beautiful wife. That right there is it, man. I die tomorrow. I did what I had to do. They are my everything, you know?
3: Orlando, on a lighter note, uh, speaking mentally on a different side of competition, I I think when I think of you at ADCC – you and Wagner are the two people that it's like you're not even there you guys don't don't feel the pressure you're having a good time you you talk to me right before you go out and compete what do you do to relax so much when you compete just to get in that mindset to get in the zone
1: uh you know man it's i've lived through hell (laughs) i've already i've already seen things that scare me a lot more than another sweaty dude in tight pants you know (laughs) uh i dude there's nothing in the world any person I line up against in an ADCC match, there's nothing in the world that they can do to hurt me, you know? Uh, that life hasn't already drugged me through the fucking mud. You know, look at right now with the coronavirus stuff. This is hell right now for small business owners, for school owners, for for family, you know, for fathers. This is, you know, this is some serious shit. Once you start really living those responsibilities, the tournament scene becomes a lot bigger. Easier, you know what I'm saying, and and you just start having more fun with it. To me, that last ADCC just stress and fun wise, it was a blast. What Mo did with the, with the production and Seth and those guys, it just felt so fun and so cool, you know. And had to have everybody watching me there. So I don't know. It's it's uh just not being able to get like when I first started and I had all these goals of winning. Like I was so tense and just so like, "Ah, you know, but now I just I love to do it. I love to do it. it's like going out and sparring to me, you know what I'm saying, going on the big stage, you know, especially when you become an a d c champion, you're kind of the shit already, so you don't have to worry about it anymore, <laughs> hey orlando, well what's some of the what's some of the good stuff
2: that the new generation they don't understand that that kind of get under your skin sometimes that that you think. He needs to change uh, a little bit in the sport or the culture,
1: man. You know, dude. I, oh, shit, dude. Come on.
0: the shit that
1: irritates I'll start. I'll, I'll, the, <laughs> the shit that irritates me. Some of the, the 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 main shit, you know. And we talk about this a lot, Bear, Is that whole like sponsorship mindset? This thing like everybody needs to be sponsored and like sp- kids, uh, you know, are are are. They're just ruining their their future professional life by accepting sponsorships for 10 t-shirts or fucking five geese. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't (laughs) understand. They don't understand this shit. They don't understand, like, bro, if you want to be – if you want to create value for yourself as a young fighter, find a company you like, right, that you like and you support – Buy one of their fucking geese and go win everything. You go win everything, man. And you rock that ghee and you say, Hey, I shout out to Shoy Roll. I love Shoy Roll. Just say just saying Shoy Roll. You know what I'm saying? You go do that. You build yourself, you build some value, and then you have some negotiating power. These kids are losing everything, all their negotiating power by accepting fucking t shirts. You know what I'm saying? Except if they're Instagram t-shirts. famous, You're what are you one. gonna do?
2: If they're Instagram exactly. famous, what are you gonna
1: do, man? Dude, there's there's people
3: with fake I, sponsorships. There's people that aren't even sponsored who just pretend that they're sponsored by somebody. That's, and, so, that's a real thing. And have f- like, never heard of that. So yeah,
1: yeah, 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 the, yeah, that? Doing that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of color balls out there. And <laughs> that's <laughs> the craziest shit to me, man. It's just crazy because, like, what is it? It's it's the whole social media. Like, they want to be liked thing. They want to be loved thing. You know, they want attention. They want to be cool. You know, and, uh, and and I think that has changed so much from, like, even 10 years ago when we were grinding. When I was grinding, there was no flow grappling. There was no Instagram. There was none of that. It was, like, remember, like I just said, like, Gracie Mag once a month. Or actually, no, I think it was once every three months or something like that. But, you know, I would have my one gi that Bear gave me. And I would say, thank you so much, Bear, oh my God. And I would rock that, dude. I would patch it up. I would press it. It was my golden fucking, you know, my golden ticket. And I would make sure that, and, and, and I will tell you right now to everybody out there, Bear did not give me a dime, not give me a dime until I won, I don't know, what was it? Maybe double gold double Brazilian gold. nationals? You didn't get shit. You didn't get shit until you <laughs> I, won
2: double gold I, Brazilian nationals, Round Belt being the best in the world. And I think after that, me I and were we were good friends. serious, but
1: me and Bear were good friends. And me and Bear were always good friends. And we were always good friends, and we loved and respected each other. And 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 I knew that I had to work for it. Nobody wants to fucking work for it anymore, man. Everybody <laughs> just wants to get it handed to them. You know what I'm saying? Dude, I'm telling you. I just had to help some, I'm not going to name names or gender or anything, but I just had to kick somebody out of my gym not too long ago who was very talented and has won some stuff because the work ethic is not there. There's no work Like, you lose that work ethic, you're, you, that's it. You're done. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have work ethic, you have nothing. You know what I'm saying? If you're not able to grind and to be humble and to, if you're going to sit there and tell Somebody that, oh, I'm not going to take a class because so-and-so is coaching or I'm not going to do this because I'm better than them. That kind of attitude is going to fuck your life up. And that's what I see a a lot of people that really haven't gotten to anywhere yet thinking that they're just like, you know, God's gift.
3: And
1: and it's hurting them more than helping them. And that's why I I don't want to sound like a dick, but... What I try to do is I try to instill the humbleness, like, hey, yo, you got to be humble. People will respect and love you a lot more if you're tough, you're best, you stand up for what you believe in, like me, anytime, place, anywhere, I'll fuck you up. But you got to be humble about it, you know, and your work ethic has to match that shit. That's why nobody can say shit to Gordon Ryan. Nobody can say shit to Gordon Ryan. Gordon Ryan works harder than any other motherfucker out there right now. He's working. Yeah. He's working three times a day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he talks shit. Yeah, he does all that stuff. But hey, dude, like, he's winning everything. Not only that, he created leverage and created... He created himself as an as a, a commodity. He's worth something. He brings value. Why? You don't think Gordon Ryan could have taken fucking 20 t-shirts when he was a purple belt or a brown belt? or? But no, you never heard of that, right? And now all of a sudden, guys are... Paying him serious money to wear some geese that we've never heard of. You know what I'm saying? And that is that is power, man. That is people need to learn. You know what I'm saying? As a business mind, that's how people have to treat themselves. You can't just say yes to anybody who comes by and gives you something. You know what I'm saying? That's just devaluing everything we're working for. You know, you gotta be picky, man, and you gotta take risks and work hard. You gotta work hard, man. If you got to eat top ramen, you got to eat top ramen, dude. You know. But Orlando,
2: you're saying like those two things that you said there, like like two. There's two topics. One, people normally jump teams or coaches after they maybe haven't had the results that they wanted. You know, in whatever time exactly. frame. Yeah. In your in your in your mind, you train with some of the best people. What percentage of being with the best team or training partners and the best coach? Gets you to becoming the best. Ten percent, five percent, and what percentage Oh, is all dude, you- it,
1: it, it's, it, dude, it's dude, it's it would be. I would say almost like a ninety-five to five, right? Because look, and I'll name, I'll name, I'll name it like this. When I was winning all my tournaments, I had already stopped training with Homolo. I never trained with Homolo at it anymore after really like white belt, blue belt. He guided me. He trained me. He would always guide me and tell me and stuff. But, like, purple, brown, black and stuff, we didn't really train as much because I was already running my school, running his school, right? Look at guys like Hager Gracie, Braulio Stima. They went out and started their own schools in the middle of nowhere, dude. England, with nobody around. There was nobody. They were not getting challenging sparring rounds. Hager Gracie, when he was winning every fucking tournament in the world, he wasn't getting pushed by... 10 black belt world champions in a room with the best coach. No, it was inside of him. It was his work ethic. And that's what I'm saying. You can create it. You can create it. If it, if it's in you, you know what I'm saying? If you can create it, you don't have to go and have like the great, and that's what's happening nowadays is everybody's flooding the best teams. And then, but what happens, they realize that that's not going to do it for them. And then they jump ship. And then they, and then what happens a lot now too is, you know, you get pushed by a coach or something and you realize you don't have the work ethic that it takes to become a world champion. Like the Daisy Fresh guys, those guys are monsters, right? They'll work hard. That's the kind of work you got to put in. And a lot of people aren't willing to put that work. So what's easier is to jump ship, to blame coaches. Uh, I did, I lost because my coach isn't there or my coach isn't as good. or. But come on, dude. You know what I'm saying? That's why I would say it's 95% inside of you in your head. And 5%, you know, the – people. and one thing that I cannot – I cannot stress enough is you have to have a mentor, somebody that you love, respect, and look up to, you know. That is more – that is more important than a a technical coach per se, you know, most of the time. You know what I mean? Like you look at, you know, Danaher and his guys, there's a respect there that is, you know, amazing. You could see it. You know what I'm saying? You look at Dracolino and a lot of his guys. Unbelievable respect. You know what I'm saying? Like those kinds of respects is is huge. And then it's all about the person willing to work hard. You know? Orlando. And I just think that Yeah.
3: Oh, sorry to cut you off. Uh no, no, hey, please. Let's talk Bears' favorite subject. PEDs in the sport. How bad is it? Hey! It's fucking it's hey, who it's, does them
2: who does them who does you just said you used to do
1: them on the Bro Let's let's talk first real of talk, all.
2: Let's talk
1: real talk first of all. <laughs> let me let me, just, let me just say this someday I should write a book about <laughs> every person I know or you know has seen have factual based evidence that is on some I should write a book. Man, that'll be What awesome. percentage? Like what it, percentage? I'm not asking you to cut oh, out, names, fucking, But what percentage are uh, you thinking? Are uh, we thinking like sixty percent? It's 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 over seventy-five percent, eighty percent, easy. Easy. What bro, easy, easy, bro. Easy. But everyone easy, says everyone
2: says they're clean, everyone says they do push ups then, no, you know.
1: I'm sorry, and I'm sorry, and, and this and this goes out to like those, these guys who 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 get caught and whatever. Look. I'm, I'm somebody who says I've used them before in the past. I used them a lot when I was bodybuilding, you know what I'm saying? When I was bodybuilding, I was, of course, that's like, you know, that's what you do when you're bodybuilding. So I, I know a lot about steroids and a lot about all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I did excessive amounts when I was in my early twenties, way before jujitsu and all that. Uh, but you look at like, man, it's crazy. I mean, it's (laughs) rampant. It's, 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 it's everywhere. It's everywhere, and what I love is, like, when people get caught, when people get caught, like, man, just own up to it. Just say, fuck, yeah, I was doing it. I was, you know, but, like, to say, like, you know, people saying that, like, oh, it was a tainted supplement or a tainted steak or this and that. That's just- A <laughs> tainted steak. <laughs> it's <man>. it's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> well, no, remember, it's like, a supplement. Frank, Frank Mears, remember, he said that he ate kangaroo meat and it had oh, yeah. fucking uh, oh, my God. testosterone in it. Uh, kangaroo you meat. Know, there's plenty of. I remember that. Jiu-jitsu yeah. Yeah, exactly. Boy, <laughs> he's, a jiu- he's a he's jiu- a jiu- black belt. He's a jiu-jitsu black belt. Uh, <laughs> dude, uh, uh, come on, dude. Come on guys. Come on. Like bro, <laughs> it, it, it's Instagram, bro. They look at the just look at pictures. Look at pictures. Look at, pictures. Look at you know, Okay, 30 so, 40 so, so, pound, Orlando, since you know, 30, you, know a lot about body,
2: you know a lot about bodybuilding. So you know the body very well. And you know yeah. about pictures and body. What are what are signs that we can look in Instagram pictures and photos that are like red flags that they could have been on something? Not saying that they are, but oh. what are some red flags?
1: Oh, I don't know. Maybe gaining thirty, forty pounds of fucking muscle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, dude. You know what I mean? Like that's that is not dude, you're not going to you're not you're not gonna eat protein and lift weights and gain Forty pounds of muscle and stay lean. That's not possible, dude. That's not. That's not. That's not the way the body works, dude. You know. But like I said, hey amen. I'm not gonna sit here and tell anybody what to do. I'm not gonna tell anybody For what sure. to do, man. I'm not. I'm not gonna tell anybody what to do. And and it's it, it's all up to them and how they want to treat it and stuff. I just say that it should never, ever ever be pushed on kids, you know what I'm saying, be pushed on young kids, even 18, 19, 20 years old, I think is too young, you know what I'm saying, not until you really are able to to make the decisions that you want to do in life, and, and really know what you're doing and all that kind of stuff, should you be making even those decisions, but if you have a coach or somebody, a mentor who's pushing you to do that, that's wrong, man, you know what I'm saying, that's fucked up. That's really fucked up. And I'm against that one hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? I'm against it one hundred percent. But you know, but you know, like the problem is, is is you get so many kids, and that's the problem is like you get so many kids nowadays, and then and then look, man, you look at like the poverty stricken areas in Brazil, you look at the favelas, you look at the things, then you get these guys who make it out of there and they come to the big lights and and do the big, big stuff. What's the cost? Dominator. They see these guys fucking shooting up drugs and, and they're like, oh man, well, if I train hard, and I do steroids, I can go there too. And that's the problem is that these guys are mentors and, you know what I'm saying? People start looking at them like that. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, it's dangerous, man. You know, when people are looking up to you, you gotta, you have that responsibility. I think, you know, to, to one, be honest, you know, to be honest with yourself, bro. I can't tell you, my God, I'm just thinking in my back of my head. <laughs> I mean how many times I've just seen things with my own eyes and, and stories and I mean it's it's a lot bigger than you guys think. It's a lot bigger than anybody knows, man. It's a lot bigger than anybody. And it's just so stupid to me to even think that there's a testing anything in the IBJJF when they have one testing, you know who you're going to test. I mean it's it's insane, dude. It's insane. How long how long, like how the, long Orlando you think
2: it takes that cycle off? to cycle off and pass the test. If you're taking steroids, well, how long for, do you think, first t- of all, think it takes to hey, clear your so,
1: system? First of all, the problem is, is like these guys, you know, the majority of them don't even know what they're doing when it comes to steroids. You know, they're just taking anything that they can get their hands on. That's how they're getting hurt. You know, uh, second of all, if you, if you're going to take any kind of supplement steroids, testosterone, anything, I believe that you should be with a doctor. You should be 100% old enough. First of all, and two, you should be guided by a doctor, you know? Um, which is really important. You should always have your blood checked, all that kind of stuff. You know, I do that for my own health now because I abused certain things so much in the past that I have to be checked by a doctor, you know, my blood count and all that stuff. But, uh, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. And MMA and MMA is like, dude, everybody, man, everybody you should have seen before the UFC did the USADA. Oh my God. Dude. I mean, it was in plain view, like, Like everywhere, you know, everywhere you go, it was like, whoa, dude, it's crazy. Even at the events, like when people are doing their piss test in events, you know what I'm saying? It was pretty crazy, man. You know, it's rampant, bro. It's it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere in the sport. Orlando.
3: So we only got a few minutes left. Uh, We do this thing where yesterday's guest uh, does a question for you. Yesterday we had Galvao and JT on. And Gal, Galvao, here's Galval. He had like three or four questions at once, so so we'll play it for you. You can hear oh, Galval. He must right. like, he must like. All right, where's that? Uh,
0: I'll here? ask him like,
1: how's his diet? Okay, all right. Because, because like, uh, if he's like a paleo or if he's like a vegan or, uh,
0: I don't think he's vegan. And,
1: and, yeah, and how and how how come like you know he's like. He's probably like the heaviest like uh, heavyweight in the ADCC, but he's so athletic I want to yeah. know like if you if he got that that athleticism from from Jitsu and also like he uh, he he became like such a such a high level competitor in a short time so I want to I want to ask him like if what is his diet I, I'll ask more than one question nice. what is his diet okay? If you have, if how he got uh, the athleticism that he has and and uh, why he competes only ADCC, that's it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> all right, great question. All right, so he asked, What's your diet? How are you so athletic for a big guy? How you got good so quick? And why you only do ADCC, I believe those were his, his, his questions. <laughs>
1: okay, well, I think we covered them all today. So, first, my diet is uh, fucking. Embryos from nuts no, is, uh, <laughs> is, uh, is uh i mean dude right now my diet is anything i I have no fucking restrictions right now you know what i mean anything right now when i'm not competing i'm although I keep telling myself i got a diet and i'm going to come back to the twenty twenty one a d c c and 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 be a different human being but uh but right now my diet no real restrictions i mean i just I stick to the same shit. I'm pretty boring, you know. Um, my, my problem is, looking, you know, my timing of eating and stuff, and that shit keeps me heavy. But lots of rice, lots of chicken, lots of ground turkey. Um, you know, I'm Hispanic. I love the meats and the rice. I'm always meats and rice kind of guy. Um, and lots of eggs. Um, and uh, that was one. And, you know, actually, I don't drink anything but water. Shout out to Urban Water. Water, water, shot up urban water. All I drink is urban water and eat chicken, rice, and lots of it. And then four by fours from In and Out with animal fries. <laughs> four by fours. Just slip that in right <laughs> there at the end, huh? <laughs> and maybe a pint of ice cream here and there, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, I do same thing, but it's okay. I'm going to pray to the same Jesus that fucking Andre's praying to, and I'm going to come back and kill his ass in uh, ADCC in 2021. And I'm going to look like him too. I have a poster oh. of Andre on my wall. I have a poster of Andre on my wall. I'm actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put a poster of Andre. I'm going to move it from my wall. I'm going to put it on my refrigerator. I'm going to put a picture of <laughs> on that one picture of him in his little shorts with his shoulders all busted out, and he's all <laughs> lean. I'm going to put that picture on my refrigerator. Andre, I love you. I'm going to put that picture on my refrigerator for motivation. I'm not kidding. You see, I'm going <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna to look, like, look like you, man. I'm going to call you for some diet tips. Uh, and then how did I get quick so fast? Uh, that one comes kind of with this other one, like my agility. It's just my God-given talent, man. Like ever since I was a kid, I just really weird. I can see things happening before they happen, like, sports-wise. Like, if a ball's coming, like, I know which way it's going to go. Like, I feel different vibrations. My agility and my footwork – and what's crazy is I see it in my son, my little man Orlando, and, and my little man Oren. They have, it in their, they have it in their system, this kid. I mean, he can do, like, one-handed car wheels and, like – I mean, just cra- – my little two-year-old son – Runs full speed down a hill with no shoes. Full speed, and I think he's gonna eat shit. I'm like, ah! And then he just slows <laughs> down. Like, that. it's that. It's that footwork. It's that, you know. And I'm Cuban, half Cuban, and a lot of Cubans. Hector Lombard. Uh, what's his name? Who just fought? Um, uh, why can't I just think of his name? The wrestler who just fought. Henry Cejudo. I don't
3: know. No, Henry a
1: No, the black dude who just fought. Uh, so, you all Romero Romero. Romero, yeah. yeah. He's Cuban. Hector Lombard's Cuban. Like, we all move very similar, if you've noticed. Like, very athletic, you know, sh- explosive bursts. And that's a very Cuban trait. A lot of Cubans have that, that in their genes, you know. So I'm very lucky to have that. So for me, that's just genetics, you know. And that's what made me get good so fast is my mindset. I don't fear anybody. I don't fucking, I'm not afraid of any. I will fucking stand up up, kill fucking chew anybody's face at any time and that mixed in with my athleticism and my desire to not lose my desire to not lose is more than my desire to win my desire to never lose is more than my desire to win and that's what made me good so fast you know because i would go out there and i don't care who the fuck i was standing in front of or what belt they were or what i was not going to lose you know what I'm saying? And that's the mindset I have. And that's this mindset that my son has, which is cool, because I never taught it to him. Um, those are two of the questions. And the, the other one was, why do I only do the ADCC? Yeah. Because it's the only one that is really prestigious. It's the only one that I'm invited to. It's the other ones i got to pay, and you got to go do And I already won them. I won uh, the Colored Belt IBJJF Worlds. I won the Pan Ams. I won uh, the Brazilian Nationals Double Gold. I won, I won every IBJJF one there is to win. So I have no desire for that anymore, um, and the ADCC is still something special. And he knows—I mean, that's all he does now, you know. So he understands the same kind of feeling I have. It's that prestige. It's that like, you know, it's that culture, man. It's that culture that it'll go down in the history books forever, you know. Once you win those things. So, Andre, shout out to you, man. Much respect. Keep doing what you're doing. I can't and, wait to uh, see this send,
3: Andre, Andre Galvao-looking Orlando Sanchez in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> Set, Andre, <laughs> like a I need you to send That's me scary. a
1: picture. Andre, I need you to send me a picture so I can put a poster on my refrigerator. <laughs> and, and write. If you can write on it, say, hey, don't eat, fucker. right? something like that. <laughs> or right, don't so eat, you fat fuck. <laughs> we, to,
3: we got about five minutes left. First thing first, I got to get, get a question from you for Gabby Garcia on Monday.
1: Gabby Garcia, I know Gabby very well, um, and I absolutely love Gabby. I think she gets the, the the short end of the stick on a lot of people. A lot of people fucking hate on her and talk shit about her. Um, but my question for her is, is you know, is um, is I would have to say explain to the people because I think that you are a very good – I think Gabby is a very good role model in how to – To have so many fucking people hate on her and talk shit about her success, right? And she still stays respectful, loving, like a champion. And I want her to, me and everybody else, what's her mindset behind that? How can she be so sweet, so loving, and stay so level-headed and focused when so many people talk shit about her? You know, that's what I want to know. Shout out to Gabby Garcia Garcia because I love Gabby. Big hug to you, Gabby. You're awesome.
3: Great question. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, nice job. All right, Big old. we'll give you about three, four minutes. A little parting shot to your fans here. Let's say something to people at home before we got to go.
1: Man, I love you all. You know, I love you all. If uh, Flow Grappling decides they like me, you know, if they want to make me a little more famous, then you'll see more of me. You know, I'm not cool enough for flow Grappling, but we'll see. We'll see after this little meeting we have. Stop. You don't even return my my text (laughs) most of the time. (laughs) I love flow Grappling. We got some big things in the works, man. My little daughter here is my beautiful, my princess. Um, I got a lot of things in the works, man. You know, we got to get to this coronavirus bullshit. We got to fucking get to the other side of this. We got to save all the jiu-jitsu schools. We got to save the businesses. We got to save all that stuff. I got a lot of big projects coming up that are going to be really exciting to see somebody from the jiu-jitsu world do such big things on such a big level. I'm really excited for everybody to see that. Um, There's one thing uh, I'm going to post on my Instagram, OrlandoGB72. It is a project. I believe it's called Project Angelus or Project Angels. I'll put the right uh, movie on, but look at my IG story. It's uh, from my buddy June, the tattoo artist June. Uh, The famous tattoo artist is amazing. He's from downtown LA and it's something to help out the homeless problem in Skid Row right now. They have no help for COVID-19. They have no anything guys. So watch my IG story later on and please help donate. It's a crazy video that I'm going to post. So don't miss that. I'll tag flow. I'll tag everybody. So please, uh, you know, bear, you could share that also bear. I love you, man. Thank you for always supporting me. You have been my fucking man since I since we started. I have shown all my love and respect to you guys at Show Your Role, and I always will. You guys have always taken care of me. And uh, thank you to everybody. Thank you to my fans. Thank you to people who support me. And, uh, guys, one thing that I can say is be real, man. Be real. Be yourself. You don't have to fucking be anybody for people to like you, right? Don't be a fucking whack ass. Don't be a little bitch. Don't be fake, Be yourself. Be your fucking self. And the people who will love you will love you, and the people who will hate you will hate you, anyways. So fuck them. Be yourself. Love yourself. Love yourself. All right? I love you guys. Shout out to Shory Roll. Shout out to Urban Water, my fucking boys, Urban Water. Shout out to all my people, everybody that I love. You know I love you. Shout out to my boy, my mentor, Samir. Samir in the house. I love you, man, and everybody else out there. I love you guys. All right? And something for your haters. Something Peace. for your haters. Give something to your <laughs> haters. Something to my haters. You guys can never be like me. You will never be me. Never ever, ever do the things that I can do. You won't even live on the same fucking planet as me. So keep on hating me because <laughs> I need people to hate me. And just wait until you see what I do next year. If you hate me this year, you hate me last year, just wait till I'm a billionaire and you really fucking hate me for what i'm doing next year all, all right, right? <laughs> we love you i love you guys
3: we love you big love o thanks billionaire in you get too all right kyle go ahead and kill Fuck
1: it yeah baby <laughs>